You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Good morning, church. Wow, my heart was overwhelmed during worship. Uh, Just the gratitude for Jesus and his work in my life, for his work in this place. It's so beautiful when we encounter the Lord uh, in such a tangible way. Amen? I just feel like the Lord is doing something in worship in our church family. Um, there are like high praises happening right now in our, amongst our worship t- team. The way they're leading us is just, it's very much about turning our focus completely on the Lord and off of ourselves. And I just love that that is shifting in our church atmosphere, in our worship atmosphere in this church family. So thankful for our worship team. Um, amen? Yeah. Um, I want, to do, I want to do this next. I want to invite a dear friend forward, uh, Pastor Adil. This is his last Sunday with us this morning. Uh, he's joined us the last six weeks, and uh, it has been such a, an honor and privilege for us to, to have him here with us. Uh, we, you know, this has been a wild ride, and I feel, I feel like a very divinely orchestrated relationship that the Lord brought about in really fall of 2021, so not too long ago, the Lord connected us and um, connected our humble church family here in Ames, Iowa with the persecuted church in the Middle East. And uh, it has been, I believe, a gift to our church family for our eyes to be opened to needs in the body and for us to uh, join with and lock arms with the body in difficult places. And I don't believe this is the end, this is only the beginning for our relationship with Pastor Adil, for his work amongst Pakistani believers and amongst his work with refugee, Pakistani refugees uh, spread across Asia. I always feel like this is only the beginning. And so I wanted to invite him forward this morning for us to pray over him as a church family. So can we do that? Can we all stand to our feet? We extend our hands towards this. Could we actually, could I invite the elders forward? Um, Dr. Anya, Randy, Connie. Where's Miss Connie? She's around here somewhere. There she, there she is. Come on up here. I just want us to believe there's something significant that even the Lord wants to impart upon Adil this morning. I believe the Lord brought him here partly for us and partly for him. It's always a two-way street, I believe, in these divine relationships in the kingdom. And I, I'm really believing for just an impartation of anointing upon him. Um, he's getting married this August. And so there's just like so many, there's, there's so many significant seasons ahead and chapters that are beginning. And, and I just want us to rally around him as a church family to impart the anointing of God upon him. So Lord, we thank you for this man of God. We thank you for the relationship that has been started in, I feel like, just hyper speed. I mean, it's, it's a wild to think, Lord, that you would connect us with the Pakistani church in just a matter of months. And Lord, uh, we wouldn't feel like strangers, but instead we'd feel like brothers, like family and friends. And so I thank you that only you can orchestrate that. Lord, we're humbled by your goodness. We're humbled by your grace. And so as a church family this morning, Lord, we pray for a fresh filling of anointing upon your humble servant, Adil. Lord, we thank you for the places that you've positioned him. We thank you for his heart, for the persecuted church, and for his Pakistani brothers and sisters. Lord, we pray you continue to tenderize and break his heart for things that break yours. Lord, we pray that you'd give him divine inspiration, 
dreams, wake him up in the night to hear from you of ways to serve his brothers and sisters there. And Lord, we're believing for divine provision in these days forward. We're believing for that, just a divine provision upon him, Lord. In difficult, dark places, there will be an abundant, just open heaven of favor upon this man of God. We're believing for that. And we're believing that that's going to be accompanied with a a, a real grace, a tangible grace to carry it, to carry it well, to, to carry it with the heart of a servant, sacrificially, the heart of Jesus. So Lord, I'm praying that you would give this man of God an instructed tongue to have a word to sustain the weary. Lord, I'm praying that you'd wake him up to hear like one being taught. I pray you'd open up his ears, Lord, and he'd be obedient in your mighty, precious name. So fill him even afresh this morning with the anointing of God, Spirit of God, in your mighty, precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, I love you, man. Awesome. Yeah, it's only the beginning. Just to even spend time with Pastor Adil and hear the dreams that he has for, and the faith that he has for his uh, fellow believers in Pakistan and then the refugees that have had to flee because of persecution uh, has been inspiring for us. And I know we want to continue to partner in the days ahead. So thank you for allowing us to be a part of it. Um, if you have your Bibles this morning, open up to Psalm 119. We are going to continue our epic trek through Psalm 119 that we started a number of weeks ago, stoking a hunger for the Word of God in our hearts and in our lives. I pray that it's been a blessing to you to center ourselves on the eternal Word of God, on the ever-relevant, unchanging power of God revealed to us through Scripture. Um, This morning, I, I want to specifically turn our attention to a theme that we're going to see in these next number of verses regarding the eternal nature of the word of God, that it's eternal, that God spoke it and it will forever be. It's literally fixed in the heavens, as we'll read here in a few moments. That some of us, you know, when we open up our mouths, we don't give a lot of forethought to it. I'm not going to point fingers. You don't need to nudge your neighbor. But some of us, we just open our mouth. That's not the way it is with God. When he opens his mouth to reveal himself to humanity, it is sure, it's certain, it's confident, and it's etched in eternity. For all of eternity, it's fixed in the heavens. And so as God has revealed himself, we can have full confidence, like full certainty in what has been revealed to us. We can base our life on it. It's now like the ground that we walk on. This is such good news for us. I mean, in light of everything that's transpiring on the world stage right now. This is such good news. We can feel overwhelmed when we begin to think about the shaking that's happening, the the, the conflict and the turmoil that's happening, uh, both in Europe and in Russia, but elsewhere as, as well, even what's transpired over the last two years. It can start to feel overwhelming. But as children of God, we have a very safe place available to us, each and every one of us, no matter uh, where you are, where you come from. It's the hiding place of the word of God, who he's revealed himself to be. And it actually brings us to a higher plane than even world affairs. It's the plane of the sovereignty of God, that he is in control of all, that he is the eternal one, before all and after all. It's the God of eternity. And we have for us right here this 
perfect, beautiful gift. It's this gift of the revealing of the ways of the workings of God. There's certain things that the Lord has bound himself to. He can't can't change. There's no shadow or turning in him. And so if he's revealed himself in a certain way, we can literally base our lives on that, that, that character that's been revealed to us. We can depend on it. He's bound himself to, to it like, like a contract. He's, he's a covenant-keeping God. Think of contracts that you sign in this world, a lease or even a phone agreement. I mean, it seems like almost on a daily basis we're agreeing to something, right? If you ever take moments to read the fine print, that's what the parties are binding themselves to. This is the fine print. This is what God is binding himself to. And yes, there is, there, there's, a, there's a side to the agreement that, that we have to then fulfill as well. But the Lord has bound himself to this. That's not scandalous to say that God has limited himself because he's consistent in his nature and his character. So God has spoken, he's revealed himself, and then he's bound himself to the fine print of how he's revealed himself. I hope that's making sense. He's bound himself to his word. So Isaiah chapter 40, verse eight says this, the grass withers, the flower fades, all the stuff that comes up, sprouts up and disappears. It's all temporary, but the word of our God will stand forever. For all of eternity, for all generations, the word of our God, that which was spoken by God himself, will stand forever. So scripture, I believe, is this bridge between the God of eternity and humanity reveals what God is like and we can base our lives on it. If I, if I leave my kids alone at home, there's certain things that I don't have to state to them that, that we have established in our home is, is common knowledge at this point. It's, these are the rules of our home. But if I'm gonna leave them for maybe an hour and a half or two hours and there's a few things I feel like are really, really important, I wanna make sure they, they remember, I'll, I'll write them down. Here's the phone number. I, don't, I usually don't write, don't burn down the house. But I'll, and I don't write, you know, be kind to one another. But, but I'll write down other very important things that I wanna make sure that they understand very clearly. The Lord has, in his gracious generosity, revealed himself very clearly in scripture and written some things down to us. Romans chapter one says, there's many things about God that are, that are evident to everybody. That there's, there's no excuse amongst all of humanity that God has made himself real even through creation. We call it a general revelation. But God has revealed to us through the special revelation of his scripture what he is like very specifically. It's the eternal word of God. So he is eternal and we are not. Can you say that? He is eternal. We are not. He is infinite. We are finite. He has no beginning or end. We are but a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. He sees all and knows all. We see in a mirror dimly. So it's through his word that we encounter the God of eternity. So get ready because your heart's about to come alive in a fresh way. Let's read starting in verse 81. Hope you're ready. My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. It's the thing the psalmist bases his life on. His hope is in the word of God. My eyes long for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? For I've become like a wineskin in the smoke, yet I have not forgotten your statutes. He, he doesn't deny like, the, the realities of our limiting humanity. Like, he feels just <laughs> dry and desperate. 
but he has not forgotten the statutes of God. How long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? The insolent have dug pitfalls for me. They do not live according to your law. All your commandments are sure. They persecute me with falsehood. Help me, meaning his enemies. They have, all, almost, they have almost made an end of me on earth, but I have not for, forgotten your precepts. In your steadfast love, give me life that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. The psalmist says, I hope in your word. His hope is established in one thing. It's the word of God, who God has revealed himself to be. That's the anchor for his soul. That's the foundation on which he walks. His hope is in the word of God. So I ask you that question. What are you hoping in this morning? What is your hope actually established in? Every generation has a changing tide of of things that are propping themselves up for which we can take our hope in. What is it that you place your hope in? Just be honest. Is your hope in the stock market? We all know that can change tomorrow. Is your hope in real estate? I mean, as we're watching even right now in Ukraine, that's not guaranteed either. Is your hope in people? This is not cynicism, but people will inevitably let you down. What is it that you place your hope in? The psalmist longs for the fulfillment of the promises of God, and he says that's what he puts his hope in. His hope is in the word of God. In the word of God. He says in verse 82, when will you comfort me? He doesn't ask, will you comfort me? He says, when will you comfort me? It's implied that he knows God will be true on his word. God will hold up his end of the bargain. When will you comfort me? There is this this raw honesty in the waiting, in the longing, but there's also a certainty in his voice. When will you comfort me, O Lord? I know you will. When will it be? I'm reminded of the, the story of the Lord bringing Pastor Adil here. You know, the Lord told him and his mom in 2018 that Adil needed to get a visa to come to the United States. And that, that's hard for a Pakistani to get a visa at all. The Lord, that's a whole other testimony, the Lord opening up the doors for him to get his visa. But he sat with that visa year after year after year, and there's an expiration date of five years on, on the visa that he got. Year 18, 19, 20, 21 comes. You know, obviously COVID was, uh, was amongst us and it seemed like everything was hopeless. But I remember his mom continuing to remind him of the, the promises given to, to Joshua that eventually the people would take the city of Jericho. They'd walk and they'd walk and they'd walk and eventually the walls would come down. They were, they were literally rooting themselves in the promises of God, the word of God. In the end of 2021, the Lord divinely connected us and, uh, and the rest is history. But we base our lives on this hope that is firmly fixed in the eternal God who's revealed himself through scripture. So the word of God is your weapon that's actually forged in the furnace of eternity. This is not forged in the, the, the places of human inspiration. This is forged in the very mind of God, the God of eternity. And he's given us this this weapon to do battle against our very temporary enemies. And it's important for us to properly place 
the, the things that come at us, the things that bombard us and afflict us on a daily basis as solely temporary. It's all temporary. No matter the, the, how scary they seem, how, how uh, violent they seem to oppose you, it's all temporary. And we then hide ourselves in the security of the eternal word of God and we see clearly. So the, the psalmist obviously had a lot of enemies. Ones that I, he said they, they, they dug uh, traps for him. They persecuted him relentlessly. And if you've ever had opposition, which I know the opposition that many of us face is, is far less than what Pastor Adil in the church and other places of the world experience, but, but we've all experienced opposition of some sort. When, when we have people that come against us, it, it can really consume our minds, consume our hearts, keeps us up at night. None of us enjoy having enemies. He can quickly begin to consume our attention. And I don't minimize that at all. It's real. But we have not been abandoned by God. He's given us this, this weapon to stand on, to sustain us, that brings us above the fray to the plane of eternity. And what a gift that is. Let's keep reading verse 89. Because this is the theme he's going to continue to lean into is this theme of the, the, the eternal nature of the word of God that it stands forever. He says, forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. It's unmoving. It's, it's, it's etched there, anchored there in eternity. Your faithfulness endures to all generations, not, in the good old, not just in the good old days, not just in some hope, hopeful horizon in the future, but for all generations, the faithfulness of the Lord endures. You've established the earth and it stands fast. By your appointment, they stand this day for all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I'll never forget your precepts for by them you have given me life. I am yours, Lord, save me for I've sought your precepts. The wicked lie, lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. He even takes note of what we would categorize as, as perfect in this world. He says there's a limit to that. But to the Lord's commandment, it's ex exceedingly broad. It's beyond even the perfection of this world. So the Lord's word the word of God, that which he's revealed to us about himself, is firmly fixed in the heavens. It's unmoving. That means we can build our life on this word. We can, we can build our life on who God has revealed himself to be. I believe this should wreck us. I believe this should just leave us undone. It doesn't take me long to, to ponder the realities of eternity. This one who is larger than the cosmos, larger than the galaxies, who spoke it all into being, who's here before all and will always be to, to leave me undone. And his word, who he's revealed himself to be, is established in the heavens. Makes me shudder. Revelation chapter 22, at the very end of all of this, like the inspired word of God, Jesus says this, that I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, 
God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus be, be with all. Amen. Jesus, as he like sealed this book through, through the revealing of himself, he said, don't mess with it. This has been established in the heavens. Don't even try to tinker with it. Don't try to add to it. Don't try to take away from it. It is firmly established in the heavens. And so all the things that we think are certain in this world, the institutions of a civil, civil society, the things that we assume will be here decades or centuries to come, maybe, you know, maybe firm and established in some ways, but in light of eternity, they are temporary. They're but a vapor. All of the institutions that we highly revere, only what God has spoken will truly stand forever. Only, only what God has revealed about himself will truly stand forever. Let's continue to read in verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is the meditation all the day. It, uh, your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. For I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. There's available to us a wisdom that's not of this world. It's available to us through scripture. It's the wisdom of eternity. The eternal word of God illumines us to see clearly, to see above the, the temporal to see above the fray, to see on a plane that the psalmist says makes him wiser than the aged. I don't think that's, that's, that's not pride. That's not him propping him up above his elders. That's simply the reality of a person who consumes the word of God as their, as their meditation, as the sustenance for their soul. They become wiser than the aged. Verse 100. He, he becomes more understanding than all of his teachers simply because he's receiving the teachings of heaven. So the, the eternal word of God ties us to that which is of true value. We have a source available to us in the Lord that is eternal. That was there before we were born and that will be there for us to walk on after we leave this earth. And so I believe that our life, the life that we live Monday through Sunday, we're given these endless invitations to garner our wisdom, to garner our value from all sorts of things. The institutions of this world, prestige, fame, popularity, money, things, experiences, the list can go on and on. 
But as children of God, we're given this opportunity to actually establish ourselves and feed and meditate on and allow the word of God to ruminate over our lives, marinate our lives in the wisdom and the value of heaven, the value system of heaven. There's nothing like it that you'll see anywhere else on the earth. And there's this story shared in Acts chapter eight about a, an attendant of the, the royal court in Ethiopia, the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter eight. And here's this man who has available to him all sorts of you know, academic resources and experiences. He's traveling the world. He does the biddings of the, of the, the royal court in Ethiopia. And yet he, he, he gets stopped in his tracks as he comes to Isaiah 53. He's reading scripture. He's reading Jewish scripture, the Old Testament. And he comes to Isaiah 53 and he can't help but be stopped in his tracks by the God of eternity. So he's scoured the world over and yet it's the eternal word of God that finally stops him in his tracks. And he realizes it's otherworldly. It's not like anything else he's found in this world. And it's Philip who then the apostle Philip, who, who is uh, the Lord divinely connects him with and he leads him to Jesus and he gets baptized in water that day. True divine appointment of the, of the highest order in Acts chapter eight. We call that the wisdom of eternity that stops us in our tracks. You can search the world over, but you'll never find anything like the precious jewels of the wisdom of God that you can mine every single day through the eternal word of God. Let's continue to read verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now it's personal. It's very, very personal at this point. The light of God through scripture becoming like a lamp like becoming like a lantern for your feet, a light to your path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I'm severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my freewill offering of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline, I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. The word of God is the light of eternity breaking into your life. So the word of God is, is meant to, to be in, in our lives. And we have access to this glimpse into eternity every single day through the eternal word of God. So the question is, are we stumbling through the dark or are we walking in the light? You know, it's not wise, and we would say this in the natural, it's not wise to walk through a, dark, uh, through a house in the dark. I live in a house full of people, full of, full of kids and, and an amazing wife and it means there's stuff scattered about oftentimes and it's, it's foolish for me to attempt to walk through my house in the dark. I mean, I, I'm gonna get hurt I'm gonna, and I've tried it and I've stumbled and I've fallen, but how often in this life do we, do we attempt to, to walk in the dark? We, we attempt to walk this path in our own wisdom, in our own natural just knowledge. 
The word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We're asking for trouble when we try to walk this path alone without the light of Christ. And I wanna stop actually right now and pray over us for the light of God to shine upon our hearts. Would you all just close your eyes and receive from the Lord the light of the eternal God himself through his word is revealing himself to human hearts right now. And I believe there are many that are feeling like they, they need direction for their life. They need to know which way to go. They need fresh motivation. They need vision. The list could go on and on. But the source for all those things is the eternal light of God revealed to the person of Jesus Christ. That is the lamp to your feet, the light to your path. And so Lord, this morning, I pray over every humble, hungry heart here that they would feel and know the light of God shining upon them, revealing to them the next step not necessarily the full plan, not, ne not necessarily five or six steps from now, but the next step. But I pray under the, like the, the humbling sense of the almighty God in their midst, they would enjoy this walk with you as the light of God shines on them so brightly illuminating their path. Lord, I pray that you'd relieve individuals this morning from the pressure of having to have all the right answers and having to have their life figured out. And I pray there would be an increase, not in confidence in ourselves or in our aspirations, but a confidence in you in light of eternity. This, this God who is graciously shining down upon us, revealing to us the next, the next step. Which way to go, right or left? Pray you'd make your voice so clear to individuals this morning. Pray for those that are in the midst of making difficult decisions. I pray for just an increase of dependence in their hearts. there would be a, um, like a depressurizing of, of that atmosphere over them that says that they, if they, if they get it wrong or if they um, miscalculate the direction they're supposed to go, everything is, is shot, everything, is, everything will crumble. I pray for the light of God to shine upon them in such a way that they can humbly just take the next step the best they know how, humbly submitted to the God of eternity who sees all and knows all and has not left them alone. It's not left them like an orphan, showing them which way to go. It's reminding them of all truth. Speak that over every humble, hungry heart this morning in your precious name, amen. In light of that, I want to point you to a passage in 1 Peter chapter 5. 
Where Peter says is, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. So the eternal God of the universe. Humble yourselves under that, under that one. So that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowl, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So this is why we need the light of God through scripture to make clear of the path forward for us. Because you do have an enemy that's out there against you. And what gets illuminated in the light of scripture is the ways and the tactics of the enemy. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So see that, the back and forth that Peter takes us on. He starts with the mighty hand of God. He brings it down to the place of our anxieties and our battles and our adversary, the enemy. And he brings us back up to the place of seated with Christ forever, where his dominion reigns forever and ever. The way the Lord restores us and confirms us and strengthens us and establishes us. That is the power of the eternal word of God to ground us in that which truly will last forever. Okay, a few more verses. Let's look at verse 113. We're not gonna finish Psalm 119 for those that are getting worried. We, we will not finish Psalm 119 this morning. I know, you don't need to confess to me, I get it. Psalm 113, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. Again, I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live. And let me not be put to shame in my hope. Hold me up that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. You spurn all who go astray from your statutes for their cunning is in vain. All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross. Therefore, I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you and I'm afraid of your judgments. There is a secret that the psalmist has has understood here, which is that God's promises, like I said at the very beginning, God's promises are fixed in eternity. And God is a covenant-keeping God that if he says he's gonna do something, you can bank on it, you can count on it. And the psalmist, like that's his, the food for his soul. He says the Lord is his hiding place and his shield. I'm gonna hope in the word of God. He says, uphold me according to your promises. Like, allow this to be the very sustenance and nutrients for my soul. That's like the, the paradigm of the psalmist. It blows my mind. That's what I desire for my life. He's putting his hope, his stock, in the eternal promises of God. So what are these promises? Like, what are these things? I've said the promises of God a lot. I've, I've said that the Lord is a covenant-keeping God. What are these things that we can cling to literally for eternity? Well, in, in the garden, God made a promise that he would crush the head of the serpent. So through his word, literally for all of eternity, even from the very beginning of humanity, we can know that God wins. In the end, 
Victory is the Lord's. So no matter what opposition comes your way, like how insurmountable the enemy makes himself uh, come upon you and makes you feel like he is, you can know truth literally etched into eternity that is sure, that is certain, that you can have confidence in it. That the, the victory is the Lord's. We know who wins. They just flip to the end of the story of which that, that which that has not yet come to pass. And you know that victory is the Lord's. That's why as children of God, we can echo Romans chapter eight, where it says, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We're being regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But knowing all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. So that reassurance of the Lord's victory is, it's not a superficial hurrah message. That's the gospel. You know, what a humanistic message of positivity says that says that you're more than a conqueror and it just it leaves it at that. It leaves out the gospel. The gospel says that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. See, so yes, without him, like we're hopeless. Like loss is, is imminent, is guaranteed. But through him who loved us, who made no doubt about it through the giving of his very life on the cross, made clear that victory is certain in him, that we are more than conquerors. And I could go on, there's so many more promises within that I want to emphasize, but even as we look then towards the New Testament, we are fully equipped with the promises of God. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, that I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, or who is to judge the living and the dead, and by the appearing of his kingdom. That there is, that we are a part of a kingdom. We are adopted into a kingdom that stands for eternity, that we have inheritance and identity in a kingdom now, here and now, that is ours for all of eternity. And finally, we're given this promise that he is returning. We have a king who is coming back to make things right, that he is he's coming to restore and renew and, and revive on an even greater level. And so, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says that, but for since we belong to the day, remember, we're, we're children of the light, just like we just prayed over us, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, we encourage one another and build one another up just as long as you are doing. We have one who is coming again. His name is King Jesus. He is returning. That is a promise that we can base our life on. It's etched in eternity. And so in the next ver few uh, eight verses, we'll, we'll kind of see the, the tension of this. And this will be it, just these few verses. Verse 20, 121, it says, I have done what is just and right do not leave me to my oppressors. Give your servant a pledge of good. Let not the insolent oppress me. My eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. 
It is time for the Lord to act, for your law has been broken. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Therefore, I consider all of your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. The psalmist reveals the tension that we all feel, that we're given these eternal promises that we know are certain and we can have confidence in. But then we, we experience our life Monday through Saturday so often, and it feels like the waiting is so long. And the, the, the mountain of promises are yet unfulfilled. And so the primary difficulty on us, like literally basing our lives on these eternal promises, that some of which are yet fulfilled is, is this trust in the timing of the Lord. I mean, if you be honest, we, often, we so often question the timing of the Lord, God's timing on things. And that's what the psalmist says here. Like, how long, Lord, am I gonna have to wait for your salvation? Like, don't leave me to my oppressors. Lord, don't leave me hanging. Have mercy on me. And in verse 126, he boldly says, Lord, it's time for you to act. So the power of God's promise of hope and salvation is that it is eternal. Meaning that it's not contingent to anything that you can see with your natural eye. It's not contingent on temporary things messing it up. It simply will stand. In so many ways, we're, subject, we're subjected to the frustrating tension of either partial fulfillment or fulfillment not yet seen with our eyes. I want to tell you there's more. It's the eternal promises of God that will be. And we live in this tension of here but not yet but I encourage you to feast on the, the riches of God's word on a daily basis, meditate on it, allow it to be the very food that sustains you. And over time, you'll see what has been fulfilled and what has not yet been fulfilled. And you'll begin to rest assured, have a perfect confidence in the Lord's character to see through on the goodness of his word. If you don't stand in this place, The Lord is here. The Lord is here. The Lord is here. I want the Lord to minister to hearts this morning. I was trying to give, I was praying about, Lord, give me words to speak grace into the tensions of being given this vast like treasure trove of eternal promises, but living in the realities and oftentimes the frustrations of promises yet fulfilled. I couldn't help but think of a season that seems like oh so magical for kids, which is the Christmas season. And in our home, my mom, so the kid's grandma, sends my kids um, 12 days of Christmas presents leading up to Christmas Day. And she always sends this big, she lives, you know, 400, 500 miles away. So she sends this box of, of we have four kids, so you do the math, it's a lot of presents. And this big old box of gifts sends it to our house. But she always, she's retired, so she's punctual, it's there early. 
This huge box of presents comes to our house well before the 12 days of Christmas even starts. And so there, there it sits, you know, in our front, front bedroom or wherever it sits. And there's like this, such anticipation in the home that it's palpable. I, I liken that to the, the buildup of anticipation of the revealing of Christ in his first coming. Like there was this sense that the bomb was gonna get dropped. Like the, the revealing of God was going to happen. Emmanuel, God with, with us is gonna be revealed. That's like this big box of 48 presents there. I had to quick do the math. <laughs> like, that's tough, I know. Um, 48 presents sitting up there in a big old box. But then the 12 days of Christmas start. And day by day, my kids begin to feast on the goodness and the generosity given through their grandma. That is, in reality, where we live right now. But it, it does pale in comparison to the, the, the best day of them all, the grandest day of them all, which is Christmas Day. You see, what my, what my mom puts in these gifts are, are small things. So they're not all hoverboards and iPads. I and mean, we're talking about little crafts, little things from dollar store, from the dollar store, small things. That's not to downplay the promises of God that we have in the here and now. I'm just saying there's so much more to come. And what God has graced us with in this season, in this, in this age, is meant to sustain us, is meant to be our food to keep us to that day when the revealing of the sons of God really, the drum really, the bomb really gets dropped on humanity of the, the true breaking in of the kingdom of God to the returning of Christ, our King, a second time. So if you'd all bow your heads and close your eyes, I want the eternal nature of God and his promises to come and rest firmly upon your heart. So just even for a moment, for the temporary frustrations, uh, temptations, tensions of this life to fade away in light of God's eternal promises. This is your refuge. This is your hiding place. This is your safe place. This is your shield. It's in this perfect confidence in the God of eternity who's given you enough to see you through. here this morning and it's been difficult as of late to cling to the eternal promises of God they've seemed so dim so distant so faint would you grab a hold of this this morning he has not left you He has not forgotten you. The eternal one has stepped into this place and made himself real to you. The eternal one already bridged the gap between his transcendence 
in our very temporary humanity through the person of Jesus Christ. Your faith is established in the eternal one revealed in the word of God. Jesus, the word made flesh. So right now, receive faith in Jesus. Receive it. And even in faith this morning, if you're here this morning and you just need a fresh infusion of faith in Jesus and the eternal promises of God, would you raise your hand? Because I want to pray over you. Yes, Lord, you see these hands raised. Eternal light of God, shine upon these hungry hearts this morning with a revealing to their inner man. of the, like, the certainty and the confidence of the promises of God. Lord, touch them this morning, these hands raised. They're reaching out to grab a hold of the eternal promises of God. It was declared 2,000 years ago that it is finished, it's firmly established, it's, it's been revealed, it's firmly fixed in the heavens. Sustain them, Lord. I pray that in the days to come, this would be like food for their soul, fuel for their walk with you. You're so good, King Jesus. Lord, I pray even this week that the promises of God revealed in scripture would be so personal to individuals here this morning. Those that have raised their hand. There can be this sense that, especially in light of the God of eternity, that we feel insignificant, we feel distant. That's the beauty of your word. transcends the entire spectrum of humanity and invades hearts and lives across this earth. And I pray that upon every individual whose hand was raised that it feels so personal, the promises of God fixed in eternity for them. And it would be strength for them. It would be encouragement to their soul in your mighty, precious name, amen. Amen. I'm going to invite the prayer team forward this morning. The Lord is good. We'll see you in a couple weeks if we'll finish Psalm 119. So. The Lord is good. Amen. Yeah, the Lord is good. Lord, I thank you for every individual here this morning that has come for a touch from you. I pray even right now that you would do the miraculous. I just have faith right now for healing in this place, 
as he, the word of God has been spoken. What happens in a place like this is the faith rises and because Jesus is seen as preeminent as the, the one who's taken center stage. So I pray that sovereignly right now you'd touch individuals. Those that need a touch in their bodies, they'd be healed right now in the name of Jesus. Those with digestive issues would be healed in the name of Jesus. Those with arthritis on their knees would be touched by the hand of Yahweh, Rapha, that heals the great physician. Lord, you've said, this is the children's bread, healing. And so Lord, I pray upon individuals this morning who need deliverance from anxiety or depression, that they be set free, Lord. Give them the garments of praise, of joy. That backs would be healed this morning. Is there anybody who needs their back healed this morning? Oh, yes, Miss Charlotte. Oh, we just pray you touch this beautiful daughter of God. Heal her right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, heal her vertebrae in the name of Jesus. Every fracture be restored and healed in the name of Jesus. Strengthen her right now. Lord, take away all pain, all imbalance. Vertigo be gone in the name of Jesus. Touch her right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Is there anybody else who needs their back touched? Right here? Or no? <laughs> yeah, Jeanette, yeah. Right now, Lord, we pray upon this daughter. This is the children's bread. It's healing. You paid for on the cross. It's finished. It's by, it's by your stripes she's healed. So we turn our attention fully to the work on Calvary the work accomplished for her. Spilled your blood for her healing. We proclaim that upon her right now. All pain be gone in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus be healed. Amen. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. 